This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello there. Welcome to episode 34 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. Today we are bringing you a hangout from February of 2016 with Anthony Delaney. Anthony leads Ivy Churches in Manchester and also heads up New Thing Church Planting Initiative in Europe. In this hangout, Anthony will be talking about a confident spirit, how we can become the pioneer that the church needs in this age. You can find the full hangout, including all the notes on what Anthony is saying, plus a Q&A with Anthony at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 34. So here is Anthony Delaney. My name's Anthony. I'm in my house here in Manchester. I live next door to the existing church building uh, in Manchester. I'm from this city. I was a police officer here for 10 years. Um, I became a Christian while I was in the police. I did some time on like drug squad and riot squad and ended up being called out of that. Uh, And eventually got ordained as a Church of England minister. So I was um, in various ways, I was a curate and an associate vicar, and then I became a vicar in the Church of England uh, for eight years, and I'm still actually weirdly licensed to the Church of England, although I'm in a funny position whereby they don't pay me anything, I don't pay them anything, we just sort of relate as friends, I suppose. Um, To be honest, during my time in the Church of England set up, by the end of it, as a vicar who was looking at church plant, I was getting a bit frustrated um, by the parish system and although there were moves of thought in terms of stuff like fresh expressions they talk about etc we were still in the diocese I was in pretty much hidebound by parish boundaries and whether you know you could go to um, into somebody else's parish and start something etc and uh, effectively it ended up under a bit of a cloud as a result of that um, by going and planting off, off piste in other places and uh and I, I couldn't really reconcile that mindset with what I knew I'd been called to, which was to teach people about Jesus, to help them find their way back to God, and then to um, having discipled people, to encourage them, whatever it looked like for them, to, to uh, reach out to their friends and neighbours and uh, some of them to plant and start new churches. Um, so I ended up, um, I went away on a, like a retreat for a few days during that. I felt God spoke to me. I, the way that worked was I was, I was down at, uh, actually on the South coast in England and it was a beautiful day. And I was really in turmoil about how I was, what I was supposed to do going forwards and, and to step out would mean losing potentially what it would pension house, everything and, and just trusting God. But then I realized that's what I came into it with out of that I left the police to go and do that and the danger sometimes is we can end up with like golden handcuffs that actually aren't all that even golden but they're at least something that keeps you with a sense of security other than God and so I was at that point um, I went down to the south coast and was praying and asking for God for some kind of guidance I remember opening my bible and looking through it nothing to be honest with you there was no great word that came from God through that 
I was uh, listening to birds flying over and thinking perhaps they were going to talk to me like Elijah about they're going to bring me some meat or whatever as a sign from God that he was going to provide. They didn't do that. And then I was looking around at the clouds, thinking perhaps they would form into a shape that would help me to be able to know what to do next. That didn't happen. And it was then as I looked out, I actually realized I was looking at the, the south coast and the coastal path. And beyond that, on this beautiful day, there was just this sea and there was no horizon. It just sort of melded into the background of the, of the sky behind. And just as clearly as I've ever heard God, I felt inside that he was saying to me, if you'll be willing to step out, if you'll step out into the unknown and effectively go off the edge of that cliff, then you'll find you'll be able to walk on water and you'll be in a place where there's no boundaries and no limitations. And so I came back home to Zoe, my amazing wife, and said to her, I think we're going to have to be willing to lay all of this down. And if we do that, God will show us what he wants us to do. And she said, great, let's do it. So we ended up uh, eventually... The next stage of that was that I heard about a church, which I knew anyway from my Manchester days, called Ivy Cottage. I came here just nearly eight years ago now. It was then a really good church with a few hundred people um, coming to like one uh, meeting effectively here per week. It was a church with unity and um, um, sort of prayer at its heart. But they said they wanted to become a more missional church. And I kind of took them up on that and said, and challenged them that if I came as the leader, I would turn the church inside out and that we would, we would make a decision for that. We would never be about who we could keep. Instead, we'd be about who we could reach. I showed a, a, a video to the church from Reinhard Bonnke, um, where some, some of you may have seen this is an amazing little video he put together. And on that, there's two ships if you like, well, the picture is a two ships. Really, it's like a cruise ship that's going through the the oceans of the world, the Corpus Christi, the body of Christ. But then they get the call that another ship has sunk and that there's people in the water. So now this cruise ship has to become a rescue boat, and um, the captain orders people to go and do that. And there's all kinds of people in this little film that are sitting around enjoying uh, the party. And they're um, reading manuals about lifeboats and how they should rescue people. But when the call comes, they're all discussing it and they're not doing it. And, a, and quite a lot of them say, you know, they basically they're not going to get them, their outfits wet um, by doing that. They're going to um, stay and read about it. So then there's just this handful who go down, who, who get in the lifeboats. And then the final bit, the bit that always kind of gets me, I suppose, is, is one of these crew members who sees a little girl in the water and he can't stand it. So he, he dives in and that's how it finishes. And then Reinhard Bonnke talks about the incredible value of a human soul uh, to, to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And, and I showed that video and said, we're always going to be the lifeboats. We're about making, we're, we're never going to be the cruise ship. So if you don't want me to come and lead this, please vote no. And I got 98% of the vote. I think I probably figured out soon enough who the 2% were. And I think they left pretty soon after I got there. Subsequently, we've, They've been as good as their word. To be honest with you, I lead, I just will fight you for it. The best church ever. They are amazing, up for it, missional people. We've been, a couple of years, we started to grow. The church started to get more full. We got to full. Lots of churches are happy with full. We said we're not happy with full because there's a city of 2.3 million people here called Manchester. 
I changed the name from Ivy Cottage, which was a long history of why it was called that, to Ivy Manchester, because I think names are important in terms of vision. So we then changed the name pretty much soon enough to Ivy Manchester and said it's out of the cottage, it's into the city. We're here for the city and for reaching people in the city. And we, um, we were, you know, turned up the dial in terms of evangelism and discipleship. And, um, and then we were growing again. And basically we came to the point of being full. And I said to the church, together with the elders, in three weeks' time, we, we aren't going to meet in this building because this building is full. So we don't know where we're going to meet. And it could just be that we're going to meet in homes or something. But us just coming together isn't the lifeboat. It's the cruise ship. So we've all got to pray that God opens up the next place for us to go to. And everybody did. And we ended up in a place in the centre of Manchester called Gorton Monastery. We were in there for six months. We grew a bit in there. Then there was a problem with their licence, so we had to move. So then we moved to the Trafford Centre, which was the biggest church, biggest mall in the northwest. And we met in the cinemas there. But that was a bit dark and it was too hot and it was no space for community. So then we moved again to Media City in Salford, which is a huge move really, for a South Manchester church to move to another city. But people came, and during that time we were talking about planting out more as we were getting more people coming. We tried a little church plant into a hotel. It didn't really take. And to be honest with you, I'm of the opinion, let's give it a go. And if people are going to come to it, great. And if not, at least we had a go. So I'm not even saying we mattered. We didn't pray about it for 12 years as to whether or not it was right for us to plant. We didn't spiritually map it. We didn't do all kinds of stuff like that. We just figured Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. And uh, and so let's give it a go at reaching a few. And so we, we, for six months, we, we met once a week in this hotel as a plant after six months, we got a few new people who came along, but it wasn't taking off much. And if anything, we needed the people who all be on the journey. So I went to those people and said, let's pull that back in and let's regroup. And you guys have been identified as pioneer types who are going to help us in the future whenever we plant again. So thanks for doing it. There's no failure here. You've done a brilliant job of, of being willing to go for it. Then we moved we, we did a thing called the um, Net Promoter Score Survey, which sounds very consumeristic. I don't care if it is. I've done some training through Franklin Covey leadership stuff. And one of the things that if you hire a car from Enterprise uh, or if you use various businesses and hotels, you've probably filled in a thing where it says, how likely is it on a scale of one to ten that you would recommend us to a friend or family member? And um, that's a brilliant survey because actually, regardless of the score, it gives you great feedback because of the follow-up question, which is, why did you give us the rating that you did? See, I'm interested in why our people would or wouldn't feel what we're doing is worth anybody bringing something to. One of the things we kept getting feedback, for instance, was people said, we're not sure what kind of church it is on a week-by-week basis. Because if, like, you're doing it and she's preaching is one kind of a church, but if he's preaching and she's leading, it's like a different kind of a church. And so it's difficult for me to invite people I've invested relationship into it because this week we might all be swinging off the chandeliers, this week we might be some other thing, and we don't know what it is. So I I figured, all right, we're going to have to make sure that our environments are consistent so that people then feel that at least they can bring somebody along to something that, that they've got a relational investment with. And we've, they've got the best, you know, we're not going to do a switch and bait on them in some way and switch up the, uh, the what we're doing. So we, um, I'm not, 
it, around this time, I was connected in with a thing called Leadership Network, who were brilliant in the US, who were helping us to think into the, the future. I would go on these learning communities where we would be challenged questions like, it's three years from now, everything you just did got twice as many people and doubled. What did you do? What did you stop? What did you start? And then you'd come back and have to come up with ideas around that. And so I filled out ideas together with a couple of guys of our teams of places we could go, people we could reach, networks we could get into, how we could do this, things we would stop, things we would start. I'm a total magpie. I'm, I kind of like house church stuff. I like G12. I like Mike Breen and I like things that are going in learning communities. I like big attractional church that brings people to Jesus and then funnels them into discipleship. I'm, I just love the church when the church is working right, when it's missional focus, when the glory is going to Jesus, when there's a, a really clear challenge for people to take up their cross and follow him and that that's the best possible way to live. Um, when people are excited about giving and loving everybody regardless uh, and all of that. And so... What we ended up doing, because we did that survey and people said, I'll keep coming to Salford, but I'm unlikely to bring my friends and family here because I don't relate to this as an area. We listened to that feedback. And basically, we raised, well, I ended up running the marathon to raise some money to help us to move to a, a cinema near to where our historical base was. And then we planted then into the biggest cinema in the area, which is, which is the fifth most busy cinema in, in England and didn't need us. So therefore we were able to, they, they were, they were, we were in a very difficult position in which they were like, well, we don't need your money and we're busy anyway. Um, so we ended up, we, we risked it. We, we hire now, we hired the biggest screen, which was 600 seats plus another couple of screens we negotiated for kids and it felt miles too big. And at the same time, before we were ready, we were then launching another site, different kind of church, but with the same vision and values to reach students predominantly right opposite Manchester University, um, one of the main residents there, meeting in a pub, Stroke Nightclub. And that was taking off, and they were doing afternoon services, and then they went to mornings. We rattled around in the big cinema for a while. Then it started to fill up. Before long, we were 80% full. I kind of, don't even know where I got it from, believe the rule. When you're 80% full, you're full in church terms. And that's the time to move. Move before you're ready. Move before you need to. There's a, 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 I know we've probably all heard, we'll have heard of the bell curve. It's worth researching the sigmoid curve, which is, the, a, lot of, a lot of things change. You kind of do this thing like that, and then it goes up. And a lot of people, when things are starting to go wrong, we're on the bottom of the bell curve, then they think we need to start a new thing. But actually, a sigmoid curve is when things are going well and are on the up, start another new thing and get that going and get that going and get that going. And so you end up nesting progress going up and up and up. So we've been believing God for more and reaching out for more in those different ways by planting ahead of being ready. When God gives an opportunity, we go for it. We ended up, um, now, now the good news is, thank God, that the cinema one is full every week. It, we hire the big screen plus another five screens for all the kids that come along to that. Um, we ended up, in, amazingly getting featured in the independent in national newspaper I think it was last year we got a six page colour spread where they came and and did the most amazing positive 
um, review for their Saturday supplement with four people's testimonies in and not a hint of cynicism about the whole thing and just the most positive thing you can ever imagine. You can have a look online and you can find that for yourself if you want the, uh, the independent um, article about that, which was brilliant. Um, and then at the same time, then I've got some friends involved with the ministry. Some people in the UK will definitely have heard of it, I would imagine, called The Message. Andy Hawthorne is a good friend of ours and we do lots of stuff with The Message. They remodeled their building so they had a 300-seat um, auditorium, effectively, where it used to be a place where they stored all their kit. So I said, can we plant in there? It's right on the edge of Withenshaw, the biggest council estate in Europe, uh, tough area. Before we were ready for it, we moved in and we started afternoons, then we went to mornings, and now on an on average Sunday, they're going to get 150 people. They've got new people that are coming to faith all the time there. I also planted into the old building that we moved from, an evening congregation, which is now growing and going strong and, and doing really well. We also did an Eden. Some of you will have heard of the Eden um, stuff through the message, which is like an incarnational church plant. So a small group from the church moved a couple of our best elders. We've really helped to resource that as best we can. Sometimes Edens fail because they go into very poor areas like we've sent ours into. Um, and they kind of get, a, they get like three years funding on a declining scale. Um, so you get these really fired up people paid up for the first year struggling in the second year hardly anything in the third year and then they end up because they love the place still living there but under-resourced to make the impact they could make so we decided to do it differently we sent our best people we've done it it's gone really well and now on that one Eden Mersey Bank Eden Mersey Bank they've now got a community centre and a cafe They've started to be on a Sunday afternoon and they're seeing 50, 60 people just off this estate coming every week, doing life together and all of that. So what I love about Ivy is it's gone and, you know, this is just because of a, a, an up for it spirit, a confident spirit in, in the people here, is we've got different kinds of church. It's not cookie cutter model. We've got big attractional, you know, 600 um, in, a, in, a, in a cinema with the comfiest seats you could imagine on the best screen for your worship you could imagine with a great band at the front how does that work? It works really well. Since September, I stopped leading that. I don't now, I don't actually lead any of them. I kind of lead the guys who lead all of them. And since September, I handed over that leadership to a great guy called Ben. Since he took over in September, they've had 81 first-time conversions in there um, with people standing and putting their hand up in the air and saying clearly yes I want to follow Jesus Christ um, so that's going well the other sites have also been seeing amazing growth we've got a great connection with Steve Addison who wrote Movements That Change the World if you don't know him you need to get him in your world and so we're reading his book Movements That Change the World and his new book which is about movement leadership Steve's become a great friend from Australia. He's moved to Leicester because he believes UK and Europe is where God's really going to be starting to move in the future. So Steve has been to us and he's been all about equipping our guys to be evangelists and to be disciples who make disciples. So often we tell people they should, but we don't tell them how. We just end up with people who wish they could tell their friends about Jesus but they tried it when they first became Christians because they knew they should and they got shot down and they figured I'm not an evangelist and I can't do this. So what Steve does and comes in, in with his wife and just 
really simple training like everybody should have. How do you tell your story? How do you tell the Jesus story? What about offering to pray for people um, and saying, you know, if God could do a miracle in your life, what would you ask him to do? And then praying as if Jesus is there. And you're not making a guarantee it's going to work, but just you're inviting the presence of Jesus, talking to him conversationally. And we're finding, believe it or not, I can't believe this after all these years of a Christian, door to door. They're going out round Moss Side, round Fallow Field, predominantly Muslim areas. Our young guys in their 20s going knocking on doors saying, hi, we're from the local church. We're just uh, in the area praying for people. Is there anything that you'd like us to pray for? If God could do a miracle in your life, what would you like? What would you like? What do you ask him? Muslim young men, come in and pray for my mum. She's not well. We come in, lay hands on the mum, pray for mum. Mum gets healed, ends up, they all stop for tea. Tell us about who you are and what you're doing. Let's introduce you to some other people. These are the kind of stories that are coming out of the Fallowfield one, which is a really intentionally missional focused church as well Sharston they've got we've got recovery groups that are meeting off the back of that we're helping to uh, enable and resource people who've been um, out of, in prison and uh, got very broken backgrounds we're, we're, we're connecting them there's mentoring going on we're doing that in partnership with the message because they have a the resourcing center there for people with those things we are just about to partner with them launching another kind of Eden which is going to be a house for really broken people coming out of prison to disciple and resource them. Um, evening service. One thing we figured after a while was, because we've said we want everything to be the kind of thing you could always bring a friend to, some people get a bit, well, how do we go deeper then? Now, there's two answers to that. One is you don't get deeper than telling people about Jesus and helping them find their way back to God. And if you ever think you are getting much deeper than that, you need to have a talk with yourself about it. Um, the other side is, yeah, we probably do need a deep end as well. So if anything, the evening meeting here at the church next door tends to be more worship, more intercession, a bit longer teaching um, and a bit more for Christians. So we, I think it was David, Dave Smith, who leads Kingsgate Church, is a friend of mine who he said about what they'd found was that you, if you're going to have a lot of shallow end, you also need it's good to have a deep end for people to go into as well. Um, the turn for this year for us is really our year it's, we're talking about our year of equipping we're looking to equip the saints for their work of ministry we keep saying it's not my job to do ministry um, I think we've just fluffed that so badly the APES stuff is about us equipping people to be apostolic and prophetic and evangelists and shepherds and teachers not for ministers to do that I'm ordained and I don't care. The guys who lead our stuff aren't ordained, and the people who come don't care. What they care is, do you care about me? Do you love God? Do you love Jesus? Do you help me and build me up in the scriptures? Are you, you know, all of that is their mark of authority, and it's respect and it's permission to help and lead and encourage people. Uh, our leadership model as a church is, we say we are... Um, elder guarded so the elders guard the vision of the church and make sure we're legal and safe and everything elder guarded staff guided we do have a staff team but it's not a big one really for all the stuff that we do and we don't we're very careful to make sure we don't end up top heavy with staff because 
we, the, the staff guide the church in terms of a lot of decision. We trust the staff to make big decisions because otherwise why would we employ them? And we in, in, encourage them to, to go for it. But they don't do ministry. I don't want to employ people to do ministry. We employ people because we're member-gifted. So it's elder-guarded, staff-guided, member-gifted. We want the members to know it's you that is... God's secret agent here on the earth, in your workplace, in the school, that wherever you are, that you've got a ministry, you've got a mission. As Alan Hirsch says in um, Forgotten Ways, your baptism was your ordination. And I think if the church could recover that, we'd go a long way. We'd go so much further. Um, the other thing, because of the title that I gave about confident leadership, if there was one message I could give to leaders, it would be from Saul and Jonathan. You'll remember the story. I don't need to read it to you. Saul is sitting underneath a pomegranate tree. He's got the ephod next to him in case God drops down a message. He's got one sword because there's only two swords left in the whole of the kingdom. He's got all of his army, what is left of it around him to protect him. So he's really in retreat and hold on and hope God does something mode. He's waiting for revival against the Philistines or something. He's waiting for God to do something. Whereas Jonathan has a different spirit and he turns to his armor bearer and Jonathan's the only elder guy who's got a sword and says to him, come on, let's go. And if I could encourage anybody listening or watching this to, to have any kind of different spirit i think what's needed in europe right now is people with a come on let's go kind of a spirit let's give it a go and and then he turns to his arm bearer and he says uh, do you know what god's able to save whether by many or by few he doesn't need numbers it doesn't need huge resources me and you together and god on our side are a massive majority and then he says let's try something hard we'll go up to the philistine garrison they're uncircumcised fellows. They haven't got the covenant. They haven't got God on their side. So basically, if, they, if we say to them, no, if they say to us, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough, then that will be the sign that we're supposed to climb up and take the battle to the enemy. And, you know, I wouldn't want him in charge of my paintball team. That's not a strategy. That's not a five-year plan. It's a do the next thing you think God's telling you because he says, who knows whether God will be with us or not. But you know what? I think he, he kind of knew God would be. And then they end up advancing against the enemy. They get a small victory, hard won. And then it, turn, it starts to turn the tide. And God gets behind them, sends an earthquake. The enemy starts to turn upon themselves. The other people come and join in the fight. Eventually, some of those who were sitting under the pomegranate tree join in. People who were hiding in caves come out and join the fight. People who'd switch sides suddenly come back to Israel. And there's this massive turn that takes place because a few people decided, you know what, I've got confidence, not in myself, but in God. And if he's going to call this uh, into being, then I believe that we can we can see some different results. Um, so, yeah, that's really what I would want to encourage people to do i'm involved with a, a network called new thing in america i've been mentored for the last little while by a friend of mine called dave ferguson 
Dave uh, and his brother John are great guys in Chicago. They're planting churches all over Chicago. He's written a book called Exponential, which is a brilliant book for people involved in church planting and really all about apprenticing. My network, which I've now started, is New Thing UK, which has four strands to it, which is relation. It's all ours. Relationship, first and foremost. So it, you don't have to leave anything to become part of New Thing UK in Europe, but you just basically got to be joined in relationship. And we regularly connect like this kind of a thing to mentor and, and coach together and pray together and share together. Relationship, number one. Reproducing, number two, is whole being held accountable to reproduce What's your plan to plant a new church this year? Who are you going to do it? Who, where is it with? Who, who are you reproducing your leadership? Who are you apprenticing? Don't just tell me you're doing it. Who are you showing how you do it? And, and helping with that. Next one is resources. Everything on Exponential and New Thing is about sharing ideas, putting free ebooks out, connecting people because of trust. And also to, to help, we've helped some people. It's not a money movement. We haven't got money for that. But we have helped some people to start some new things who are to break some new ground. And then the final one is residences. So at the moment, we've got two guys who are new thing residents, which are leaders in training, church planters in training, who are here with us in Manchester for a year. They're doing theological study part-time and and also they're involved in our church and helping us because I'm training them to be church planters in the future. So that's the four hours of new thing. We hope you enjoyed this hangout with Anthony. For the full notes on everything that Anthony was saying, plus access to the Q&A with Anthony, you can visit www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 34. And if you visit thebroadcastnetwork.org, you will also get access to our full library of training materials. Plus, you can sign up for updates about when our future hangouts will be happening.